This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This is Small Biz Spotlight, featuring up-close interviews with small business leaders and entrepreneurs across America. And now, here's your host, David Wolf. On the line with us now is Reginald Lau. He's an active investor, wealth-building coach, speaker, and author with a myriad of experiences in real estate space. He speaks, he teaches, he's the managing broker for his company, BeTheSmartInvestor.com. Reggie, welcome to the program. Hey, David. Good morning. Good morning. Delighted to be here. Great to hear. What, what that means, David, is I'm an old guy. <laughs> uh, what's the mood and the tone, Reggie? Uh, you're operating in the real estate sub-markets that you operate. What are you seeing out there? Well, you know, David, we are probably the epicenter of a lot of the meltdown. And Northern California kind of started it out. The Central Valley areas in Northern California which would be anywhere inland from, you know, Fresno all the way to Sacramento, had a lot of growth. Um, from 2000 to 2005, they grew like 200% in median price. And that's just way too much. And so now we're just seeing the reverse of that unhealthy growth in that there's been a lot of foreclosure activity, obviously. Prices have tumbled. And, you know, the weird part about it is, it's starting to make sense again. You know, real estate here now actually is worth looking at. You know, we can buy investments that cash flow or in line with the rest of the country. It's really been an amazing ride. So it's really a, cor- a healthy correction from your point of view. Well, healthy in some regards, unhealthy in a lot of good people have lost homes and a lot of people have had their savings wiped out, you know, equity gone. Yeah. But healthy in that, there's new growth now. Mm-hmm. Uh, young people have the opportunity to buy a house that's actually affordable. You know, we're in line with the rest of the nation. Well, David, what we found is when California is equal in pricing to other states, people live here. They vote California. When we're three times the cost of a house in another state, people are going to leave. They just can't afford it as much as they might like the weather or the beach or whatever, you know, you still need to be able to afford a house. Yeah. And so they leave the state. When, when a median price house here is $350,000, $400,000, and you're making $50,000 a year, those numbers just are whacked. They do not work. And so what we find is people with normal jobs will go to other states, you know, they migrate outward. Times like this, when things make sense, they may come back. 
That's kind of an oddity. Yeah. Give us a sense, Reggie Lowell, your company, BeTheSmartInvestor.com. How did you start your business? Give us a sense of the ramp up into the operation you now have. Sure, David. You know, um, I was doing a lot of uh, real estate investing back. I started going real hard at the last cycle, about 97 started buying a lot of property, a lot of foreclosure, kind of in a similar place the last cycle that we are now. And about, oh, seven, eight years ago, I was kind of at the top of my game. You know, I was buying 40, 50 houses a year regularly. And I went to a workshop in Northern California, in Berkeley, California. This was back in about 2002, maybe, 2003. And there was an old veteran guy teaching about foreclosure investing. And... You know, you could tell he hadn't bought a house in quite a while. He was out of touch on a lot of key points that had changed. We had some new legislation out here, and he wasn't even aware of them. So I went to the person that ran the event and said, you know, this guy is missing the mark. Why do you have him here? And the lady said, well, who are you? And I said, well, better than him. <laughs> you know, I know more about this than he does. Yeah. And she goes, I tell you what, you're my speaker next month. And you're going to talk about foreclosure investing. And I just said, whoa, 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 me? I start backing up, you know. And hence started Be the Smart Investor. It was a teaching arm. Uh, you know, we do a lot of educational stuff to help the investor. I thought, David, there was a real void there in quality real estate teaching without paying an arm and a leg. So I started doing some workshops, some courses, and started blogging about what's happening in real estate and you know, kind of trying to keep people out of harm's way. It sounds, though, now, today, uh, if you look at your uh, array of activities, you're both an investor, actively an investor, and an educator. The two must complement each other well, I'm guessing. Absolutely correct. You know, our primary business is we buy and sell real estate, no doubt about it. Unlike a lot of the gurus or so-called gurus, you know, they're teaching stuff that they read somewhere else or they did 20 years ago. So, David, you know, we typically buy and sell about 50 houses a year. That's pretty normal, 50 to 80. So we're kind of a high volume business of buying and selling real estate. Well, in the process of doing that, we're in the trenches. You know, I get the same problems that, you know, everyone else faces. Mm -hmm. The appraisal came in low, the buyer couldn't get a loan, it fell out, it's a short sale that didn't get approved, whatever the case is. And all I do is teach about that. Here's what you do when an appraisal comes in low. Here's what happens when you're in the middle of a short sale and it's not going well or, you know, whatever the case might yeah. be. I'm just, yeah. just yeah. sharing what, you know, I'm going through to keep my business going. Good practical advice for the uh, for the investor in homes. We're visiting with Reggie Lowell. He's the, the founder of BeTheSmartInvestor.com, and that is the website, of course, www.BeTheSmartInvestor.com, just like it sounds. Tell us about your idea, your concept of a smart investor. What does that mean? You know, I think first and foremost, you understand your market. You're going to become an expert of what's happening wherever it is that you invest. And that's going to be very different throughout our country. You're also going to understand the real estate cycle. If, you know, in 2005, 2006, you continued to do what you are doing, you're going to need a short sale right now because the market changed. So, you know, being smart is staying educated, understanding creative strategies, knowing your market, and then, you know, continuing to educate. I mean, I still, David, go to probably more seminars than anybody on the planet. I mean, I spend 
one-third of my year just learning from other people. Mm, I love that. Is the work you do in real estate, Reggie, is it a cyclical opportunity per se? David, without a doubt. You know, if you look at 200 years of real estate data, you'll definitely see some trends. There's definite cycles involved. And different states have, you know, different uh, degrees of cycle. For example, if you're in Nebraska, you probably never saw a lot of upside. You're not seeing a huge correction. If you're in California or Florida, you're like, oh, my God, the world's coming to an end for real estate, you know. So there's definitely cycles involved. And as a smart investor, you got to understand them, no doubt about it. And I'm imagining you've just pointed to this. It's a localized kind of uh, the nature of these cycles is localized, isn't it? It totally is. Even here in my state of California, for example, uh, I invest in Sacramento. I also invest in San Diego. Now, the Sacramento market the bottom end of inventory of houses may be closer to the bottom. You know, you're buying very decent houses for $100,000. Mm-hmm. These were three fifty, $400,000 houses. Well, that's pretty close to bottom because you can't build it for that. We're below construction. I was going to ask, Reggie, is that your reference point for a quote-unquote bottom? Uh, you know, we're in a nearly zero inflation environment now. Right. What do you look for? What's the marker for a bottom? And I'm not asking you to call a bottom, but generally, what do you look for when you see that price capitulation beginning to form at, at the bottom? You know, David, I'll get to that in just one second. To finish that prior point, San Diego's just starting their meltdown for pricing. Oh, yes, to the cyclical piece of that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. even within the same state, you know, we're running very different. The inland areas are getting to the bottom, and we'll talk about, you know, what, what we're determining that based on what. And then the coastal areas are just starting to really see price reductions and inventory starting to build up. Mm. Okay. All right. So you pointed to a few things. You've got inventory, you've got price reduction, you've got the cost of construction. Please give us a a profile of a bottom if you can. Yeah, I think what you'll see is that it becomes affordable for the first-time home buyer. When a median price home is affordable, affordability index is something that the uh, National Association of Realtors keeps track of. When your affordability is high meaning more than 50% of the people using legitimate income can qualify to own a house, that's a good thing. When, you know, 15% only can afford a house based on income versus price, that's not a good thing. Okay, and there's an affordability index that you look to to help help make that determination. Yeah, in California right now, the affordability index in the inland areas is, you know, better than 60%. And what that means is, 60 out of 100 people can actually legitimately afford a house using normal down payment and true you know, loan qualification. And so that makes it good. The rent versus own ratio is another really good number. Um, if it gets cheaper to own the home than to rent it, then I might vote to buy again. And you look at cheaper, quote in quotes, of course, on a monthly payment basis? Absolutely, on affordability per month. Okay. If I'm renting a house right now for $1,500 a month, and I can do an FHA, very little down payment, mm-hmm. and own that house for $840 a month, and these are very realistic numbers for the Sacramento market, mm-hmm. I might do that. If I can get a tax credit where I'm not coming out of pocket anything, uh, you know, why would I not do that? Yeah, yeah. Assuming I'm, I'm thinking long-term and I want to, you know, have a nice, comfortable place for my family, I'm not even thinking investment here for a minute. I'm talking about first-time home buyer with a family, maybe a young family has a job, 
saying, you know, I'm paying $1,500 a month. I'm getting killed on taxes. I have no write-offs. I can go buy this thing for nothing almost out of pocket. I can get a 4.5%, 5% interest rate, and it's going to cost me eight forty a month plus tax and insurance. I just might do that. You know? You've talked about adjusting and adapting uh, strategies to cyclical uh, climates, uh, but is there a type of transaction that you find is a good entry point for a student that you're, uh, that's entering this uh, market? Absolutely, David. This is a great time for students to learn creative financing strategies. It's kind of not been vogue here for the last five or six years because lending's been really, really easy, you know, especially with the... Um, no income, stated income, whatever. Sure. Well, and what I mean by the creative stuff is learn about the old way of doing it. I'm talking about subject to financing, wraparound mortgages, owner carry options, lease options, sandwich leases, doing some joint ventures, maybe doing some wholesaling. These are all things that a new investor should get really familiar. Get your arms around those concepts. The old timers know them very well. I love that. I wanted to step back, 60,000-foot view. What do you recommend in terms of a real estate portion of a total portfolio? That's a tough question, but if you could take a stab at it, great. And if not, we'll we'll move forward. You know, obviously, David, I'm a little biased. Um, I used to, I used to <laughs> No surprises here. Right. Yeah, you know, I used to do the stock market thing. Mm-hmm. The last dot bomb blow up, you know, when I saw erosion of a couple hundred thousand dollars, yep. I'd had it. So the reason that I'm more real estate oriented is I can control things. Mm-hmm. I can buy something, improve its condition, and its value goes up. If I bought Apple stock today, I can't make it go up 30% no matter how much I shine up my iPod. It just doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. Whereas I can buy something, I can have predictable cash flow. So if, regardless of what happens to price, if I buy a nice house in a nice neighborhood, I know I can get $1,400 a month for that house. Yep. And so I'm good with that part of it. So kind of the dividend part of a stock, if you would. That's exactly right. Yep. You're predictable. It's a predictable income stream exactly. and, and, uh, yeah. and ideal, really, because you do have that kind of control and uh, you study the market carefully so you know what you're into when you enter at any point. Is there a particular type of transaction opportunity you're seeing right now? You know, no doubt that for the next five, seven years, we're in a heavy, heavy REO, which is real estate-owned, bank-owned inventory of property. Uh, definitely a short sale market. There's been a lot of people that are over-encumbered, owe more than the house is worth, mm-hmm. not going to be able to get out. So these are the areas of opportunity. I think for the newer investor, it's easy to get your arms around a single family or a duplex. Start there. Don't go look at you know a 20,000 square foot tilt-up warehouse with 20 tenants. You're going to have a hard time evaluating that, financing it, making it work. Okay. Start with a nice, clean house in a great neighborhood. You'll have much better chances of starting out well. The website is www.bethesmartinvestor.com. Tell us about the programs you're running. I know uh, you probably do some coaching. Uh, tell us about your activities on the educational side of your operation, please. Sure, David. As we mentioned earlier, kind of started by you know default where I thought there was a void in the education out there. There's a lot of old guys teaching from 20 years ago strategies. And so my goal was to do it to help people get going. The programs that I put together are usually workshops that are very relevant to today. 
what I'm trying to teach is, for example, I would not have taught anything about REO buying in 2004 because there weren't any. That would have been a foolish and a waste of time. Short sales, you know, five years ago, there, there wasn't much activity. So I try to stay relevant, and I teach strategies that work, uh, always changing because the market changes. Mm. Um, I do some workshops. Uh, most of them local. I also have a website that's just full of tons of information. It's like an aggregate site of relevant real estate information. I update it probably every day or two. Kind of gives you a glimpse of what's going on. That's free. You can glance around. There's a uh, if you need real estate forms, you're doing a transaction, you need a quick claim or something real quick. No problem. You can download it off of my website for free. Obviously, do your due diligence. And we do have some. Uh, courses, whole day workshops where I'm not going to go and teach them over and over. So we had them recorded, and if someone's interested, they can uh, go to the website, shoot me an email. And that would be the website, uh, bethesmartinvestor.com. And was there another website to mention? Was the blog something separate? Um, Yeah, my individual blog, and everyone's a blogger now. Um, So I started blogging a couple years ago. Totally. That's, yeah, it used to be everyone wanted to be a rapper. Now everyone wants to be a blogger. Right? So my blog is just myname.com, which is Reggie Lau, R-E-G-G-I-E-L-A-L.com. Thanks for that. Great stuff from Reggie Lau. He's the founder of BeTheSmartInvestor.com. Great strategies for an entry uh, into the real estate space. And even if you're seasoned and you're, you've said it today, uh, you're still, after many years of experience and, and success in the business, you're still attending many educational uh, learning events. So the learning never stops, right, Reggie? Absolutely never does. And, you know, David, I just want to encourage everybody that this is a great time to get in. It's going to be a nice run for investors. You know, get started. Pick a nice, easy project. You don't have to hit a home run. Get some education around you. Find a local real estate club that you can go to. Find a mentor that might show you around a little bit, but bring something to the table for them. Don't one-way them. Great stuff. Reggie, thanks so much for joining us. BeTheSmartInvestor.com is the website. Reggie Lau, thanks for joining us on the program. My pleasure, David. Thank you. You've been listening to Small Biz Spotlight, up-close interviews with small business leaders and entrepreneurs across America. For more information about our guests or to subscribe, visit SmallBizAmerica.com. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.